Hello, hello, and welcome to Non-Technical, where I, your host, Alexis Gay, interview influential folks from tech, media, business, and beyond about everything except their resumes. Today on the show, I'm so excited to say, we have Zach Grauman, Andrew Yang's presidential campaign manager and author of the new book, Long Shot, How Political Nobodies Took Andrew Yang National and the new playbook that let us build a movement. Though he's done a lot of other super impressive, really interesting things prior to that, which admittedly, I'm not going to ask him that much about. Zach, thank you so much for being here. Thank you for having me, Alexis. It's good to join. What a treat. Are you ready to dive in? I am ready. I'm prepared. Seatbelt, buckled. Let's do this thing. (laughs) Love to see it. Okay. This episode of Non-Technical is brought to you by Bets Recruiting. Hell yeah, you heard that right. It's a summer bets blockbuster, baby. The return of Bets Recruiting. Two bets, two furious. Tagline, this time all bets are on. I'm so happy to have Bets Recruiting back as a sponsor of Non-Technical. Not only is Bets Recruiting the only recruiting firm by recruiters for recruiters, but they've been trusted for more than a decade to build out sales, marketing, and customer success teams. More than a decade. Name one company that's been around for more than a decade. That's right, it's Bets Recruiting. In that time, Bets has partnered with thousands of tech companies, helped build 30 plus unicorns, and supported tens of thousands of people along their career trajectory. If you're hiring go-to-market talent or you are go-to-market talent, check out betsrecruiting.com slash non-technical. I bet you won't be disappointed. Bets, you can have that catchphrase if you want. That one's on the house. Zach is the former campaign manager for Andrew Yang's 2020 presidential run and author of Long Shot, a new marketing playbook to compete in the 21st century attention economy. He's the founder of Suit Up, a national nonprofit that runs corporate business competitions for disadvantaged youth as well as a recovering Wall Street director. Zach currently co-hosts the podcast Forward with Andrew Yang. Zach Grauman, welcome to Non-Technical. I'm really excited. I'm living the dream. Mm -hmm, I too. Uh, Pumped to be here. Living the dream. Yeah, it's weird to hear your bio read out loud, so. I get that feedback a lot. How did that feel? (laughs) Yeah, worse than I thought. I don't know. (laughs) Usually you put it in writing and no one ever talks about it. But, I know, uh, I know. <laughs> but thank I feel you. like at conferences sometimes, if you're speaking, they'll read yeah, it you'll get in a front of your intro. face. Yeah, true. I'm so happy to have you on, not only because you two are from Connecticut and we've bonded over our area codes. 860, <laughs> represent. 860, baby. Don't you feel like when you see a 203, which is, of course, the Southern Connecticut, you're mm-hmm. like close, but it's yeah, not like the same. Yeah, screw you. You, know? yeah. Not, you don't get it. You don't get it. You don't understand. Uh, yeah. The struggle exactly. of Central Connecticut. That's right. And I'm from Northern Connecticut. I'm from the middle of the woods. You know, we've bonded because they're not the Southern part, right? That's, you know, that's a runoff from Manhattan. I couldn't agree more. I want to start with, where did you spend your last day off? So I've picked up golf. Um, okay. I picked it up in COVID. I'm awful. Oh, okay. <laughs> Absolutely terrible. So uh, my last day off, I went out and whacked a bunch of balls around. I will wow. say... As a city guy, I live in Manhattan, getting yeah. out and like it's an excuse to like have a beer or two and be out in nature. I love to grill. I love stuff like that. You don't get to do it in Manhattan. So mm. golf is like my closest reach to that. Yeah, absolutely. I'm getting better, but still terrible. When you play golf, what's your wardrobe approach? Are you Ooh. rocking like a full <laughs> like golf situation? Are you keeping yeah. it low key? What's the vibe? <laughs> I'm not like Payne Stewart where he's got like the leggings, okay. <laughs> the bunched up pants and the stockings. But there is a part of, there's a little bit of golf drip, good golf swag. And really? I'll say this because okay. when I first was starting, I would go to a golf course. I see these guys and I got these nice 
bags and these cool polo shirts and the nice fitting pants and a cool hat. And I was like, man, these guys are going to smoke me. And then yeah. I found out after playing a bit that they're usually just as terrible, <laughs> but they look good doing it. So there's a brand I love called Grayson. Okay. And it's a little expensive. So I have to usually wait for stuff to go on clearance. On principle, I don't like to spend too much money on clothes because I wear them down or whatever. But I mean, I try to look like I know what I'm doing. And then if okay. you watch me play, it goes the opposite direction. At least that you get to win at something, you know? That yeah, day. oh yeah. You feel good, you know, the first hole or two, whenever. Yeah. <laughs> and then how you play, you know, that's just secondary. I'm having fun. It is it Okay, is so you're. how does it feel to be the first person ever from Connecticut to play golf? Oh, definitely the first. <laughs> uh, probably the last, too. I embody the Connecticut douchebag look. <laughs> I got that in the bag. You feel like you're crushing it? I will note that you're wearing a light blue Oxford shirt right now in a way that makes me feel at home. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> My mom's in the South. She's not like crazy Southern, which is a thing, but she was always conscious of her, uh, how she dressed in public, if you will. Mm. And I've kind of, I think I've inherited that. I try not oh, to look yeah. like a, a scrub when I'm in public. I try to work. I wore a collared shirt for you. I have that too. You have that too? Do you like mind mindful of, I try not to go out with the hoodie too often in Manhattan or like the backwards hat, unless I want to be incognito. Yeah, right, exactly. Well, I went to boarding school where we had a dress code from age, I think, six onward. So that's been drilled into you. So the idea of showing yeah. up somewhere where I have to do something professional or where I'm showing up to like attend something and wearing like sweatpants, like I wouldn't do that. But I will say that because of the athleisure boom, you mm. can look a lot more put together by society standards and still be very comfortable now, which I like. Oh, yeah. There's these suits now that are apparently like like wearing pajamas. They're stretchy and they're wonderful. Have you tried one? I haven't tried them yet. I will okay. say I'm a recovering Wall Street guy. Yes. Um, oh, I yeah. worked on Wall Street for just under a decade, mainly to pay off student loans. Uh her solidarity for anyone's out there was awful. <laughs> there's a thing on Wall Street. There's a part of it you, you want to dress nice. And there's like, yeah. there's guys that get really into it, the suits and the watches and the socks mm-hmm. and the, the cufflinks and that sort of thing. But then there's a limit to it because if the oh. intern comes in with like the white collar Gordon yeah. Gecko Wall Street movie look, that's yes. bad. That's too far, oh, right? So you have really? to like dress your role. Yeah, You can't really try to look like you run the place out okay. the gate and you kind of earn the right to dress a little fancier over time. Okay. Yeah. Unwritten rules when it comes to male, particularly men's dress code on yeah. Wall Street. I think the way that something like that applies to tech is that especially a few years ago, you couldn't show up overdressed to a job interview or it made it seem like you didn't get it. Interesting. Yeah. Like if you wore a suit to a job interview for most tech roles, I would say it would sort of feel like, what you doing? I interviewed for a, a somewhat of a tech or stuff to call it an interview, but it was, you know, we're exploring it. An exploratory conversation. Yeah, it was whatever it was, right? <laughs> but I remember struggling with like, what do I wear? Because yeah, right. Because wearing t-shirt and jeans all the time, that feels a little too yeah casual. But then I don't want to look like I couldn't fit into this company. Exactly. Uh, that's probably a struggle for people transitioning industries. Oh yeah. Even when I was interviewing for my first job, I had to go buy specific clothes for this tech interview because I thought, how can I strike this balance of looking professional and dressing the way that I feel like I should for a big job interview, you know, post-college, I was like, this is it. But then also they're also like fashionable and cool. I don't want to show up in like a power suit. It sucks because that stuff actually does matter. You know, it is a first impression. Oh, it's so true. Zach, is there a song that whenever you hear it takes you back in time? Yeah. So I was a, it's pretty nerdy. I was, I grew up doing 
musical theater and acapella oh my God. throughout high school and choir, I guess. And then I did acapella in college. So there's a lot of those songs that are tied to certain memories. So I'd say the big one, Breakfast at Tiffany's was the first song mm. my high school acapella group learned, oh. which is a great throwback. And then sadly, too many Backstreet Boys songs uh, oh. because you are a poor man's version of a boy band doing it kind of an all male acapella group. Which part do you sing? For acapella. I was a tenor two. Ooh, tenor two. Which is like, I couldn't go as high as you wanted as, to, yeah. but I could go kind of high. I will say this. I mean, it's a blast and we were yeah. pretty good in college. My, my, my group is called the Pitchforks. You want to look up. Oh they were, my God. We were good at the time, but it's, uh, it was like the music was fun. The performing was fun because I used, you know, mm-hmm. that's a rush, but you yep. end up some, some really lifelong good friends too. Oh which yeah. Is, uh, as nerdy as that is. I love it. No, um, please. This is the place. <laughs> you are home. You are safe here. Do you sing around the house still? Yeah, unfortunately. <laughs> I sing in the shower. My okay, fiance, how does your fiance feel? <laughs> just completely rips me for it. <laughs> My mom works at Pottery Barn mm. and loves it, generally speaking. And she's got a lot of those signs. It's not live, laugh, love, but it's yeah. like home sweet home. Does she have a bless this mess? She has a bless this something. I don't have bless this mess, but there's a bunch. Yeah. Okay. It's uh, and she bought me one that said, "By order of management, sing in the shower," and oh. that's in my bathroom because <laughs> that's so I have no cute. other signs. But solidarity for my mom. <laughs> I love that. That's adorable. Yeah, I sadly sing in the shower too often. I think live your truth. I do way worse than that. I sing like fully around my apartment. I'm I'm like I know my neighbors hear me at this point, and I'm like, nice. What am I gonna do? Did you grow up singing? Oh, yeah. Or just kind of picked it up casually? And musical theater, too, actually, for a, a bit of time. That's the dream right That's there. That's the ticket, yeah. I was, for some reason, thinking last night about the fact that my high school superlative was most dramatic, but they wow. meant it, like, for drama, not for, like, social drama. They meant it for, okay. like, acting and stuff. Got it. You weren't, like... A drama queen. You weren't that, that kind of drama. Drama. Mm-hmm. No, I think you have to have, like, a like lot of friends actor. in high school to be into that kind of drama, so that path was not available to me. When was the last time you performed a song publicly for an audience? So my nonprofit suit up, we do a we do a gala every year. It's at the Bowery Hotel, which is great. So at the end of mm-hmm. it, we're in it's like two in the morning every year because it goes pretty late. And it's yeah. it's like a wedding without the ceremony. It's pretty fun. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, we're like, yeah, we just just have a party. Mm-hmm. Bowery Hotel is like close enough to East Village. So we end up doing karaoke. You know, oh, yeah. Sing, sing karaoke till four in the morning or so. So that's probably the last time I've like busted out the golden pipes. Uh, yeah. Other than that, <laughs> my acapella group used to do a reunion show in the Hamptons every really? summer. So that's the last time I did like a big audience. And yeah. we, you'd get, it's cool because the group's been around for, the Duke Pitchfork's been around for, I don't know, 30, 40 years or so. Oh, so that's so cool. It's normally the younger guys. So you have some guys in college and then you have some guys that are, you know, within five to 15 years out of college now. Yeah. Um, and they go and stay at some guy's house and they perform at the, the art center there, which is great. We haven't done it in a while because it got too big and got a little unruly <laughs> and COVID. But yeah, that's the last time. Wow. But I'm good. I'm retired. I'm retired. Okay. Sing Sing Karaoke, if I'm remembering correctly, I feel like that is on St. Mark's and it's one of the ones where it's private rooms, but you can also sing in the main area. I think Sing Sing now has a few locations. I'm not 100%, but I would say... Yes, you can do that. I mean, there's a world where, and I, when I first moved to the city, I loved this because I was objectively pretty poor, or at least rent poor, yeah. if you will. And so it was, uh, you would do like a, it was like 40 or 50 bucks for like unlimited sushi, sake, and karaoke. <laughs> 
And yes. it was always a mess. Yeah, that's like, all. <laughs> it was an absolute mess. But it was cheap. It was fun. Yeah. So, uh, and that sushi's terrible. It's really like, bad. They know it. They, no, um, yeah. And yeah, they're making no effort for it to be any better. And honestly, they don't, they don't need to. That's not what you're there for. <laughs> no, it's not. <laughs> if you weren't doing what you do now professionally, what would you be doing? I was always passionate and interested. My mom was a teacher. My dad was an engineer, like entrepreneur type. So I was always oh, cool. interested in how like nonprofits and for-profits work together. I've always been like a big, like solve the social problem type. And that's oh, kind of cool. how my brain works. It's irrational at times. Like I'll go, if I, I, my dad works in, in ministry a lot. So we'll go volunteer and give out turkeys and Thanksgiving and stuff yeah, like yeah. that. And that stuff makes me mad while it brings joy to my dad mm. because he'll He's like, we're helping people. This is so great. And I'm yeah. like, oh, the way you really help them be to solve the problem that yeah. led them to need a turkey yeah. on Thanksgiving in the yeah. first place. So honestly, it sucks to say, but like, it's like kind of a lamer answer, but I would be doing similar stuff to what I'm doing now. I, I think we're trying. Um, so I used to work in philanthropy at, on Wall Street. So I tried to help rich people with lots of money, solve a lot of our social problems. That okay, that seems like a good idea. Work. It's, it feels good. That's not, uh, there's our nonprofit world's kind of broken. Um, and I went to politics for a bit. And I've said like politics adjacent since. And I think there's some role that politics has to play. And then the rest is just mm. whether it's for profit or nonprofit or just good people trying to to fix, I mean, trying to do the right thing and, and kind of fix some of the stuff that's systemic and busted. So since working with Andrew in, in the campaign, I've, it's opened the door to a lot of amazing people trying yeah. to fix this country. So I don't think I would change that much. Unless I wanted to be like an artist or an actor or something. Would you ever want to be an artist or an actor or a musical theater person? I don't know. <laughs> Is professional acapella a job? No offense to anybody who does it. Yeah. I think acapella past college age gets kind of lame. Like adult acapella yeah. always felt weird to me. Well, there's a couple groups that earn a decent living using Patreon, like the Philharmonic. So there, yeah, and Pentonics. And pe um, oh, Pentatonics. Like Wait, what did I say? The yeah, yeah. Rockapella was a thing when I was growing up. I'd rather be in a band, I think, if I was going to try and do like a musical thing. I don't Ooh. know. Do you play any instruments? I grew up playing the saxophone, which doesn't oh, really hell yeah. well in the bands. Do you um, still play? I gave it up. But my mother is so funny. She's like, I refuse to get rid of the saxophone because someday you're going to pick it up again. Absolutely. <laughs> been a decade that's amazing <laughs> that's that's the next sign by order of management you must pick up the sax you must play the sax did you play an instrument growing up i played a guitar so guitar is cool yeah anything you can sing while playing i feel like i should have learned i should have learned piano or guitar I, think. Mm. I like music people ask me like oh what what music are you listening to i'm just not the guy for that right i'm mm. not that that cool if you i get will. that um but i like doing it if you mm -hmm. could choose one social nicety to do away with like having to say bless you, hold doors, et cetera, what would it be? So my mother with her Southern roots, like as I, I don't mind some, a lot of the niceties, like holding the door and stuff, but yeah, you know what yeah. I think is annoying mm. is tipping. Yeah. Not that I don't like to tip. I of do course. tip because I've worked, I worked at Chili's before. Like, mm -hmm. you know what it's like to get bad tips. It's, it's tough. Um, mm -hmm. But I would say, or working for tips is hard. I just feel like it's awkward. And I don't know, I guess I understand why we do it in some ways. But to me, paying people more and charging a little bit more for the food seems like a better way to ensure pretty good, consistent service. Totally. I don't know. I just feel awkward, especially like restaurants. Fine. There's one, but then it's like, if you're at a hotel and someone's getting your bag. Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. I always feel so uncomfortable. My brother has a car sometimes and comes to the city and tipping. Like, we park in the parking mm -hmm. garage and I, I tip them. I think 
I don't know what they make. Right, right. It feels like there's no like standard rules sometimes yeah. to follow. And they're wonderful and they seem like good guys. And I'm like, all right, we have a doorman building in New York. Mm-hmm. It's pretty common, somewhat common. It's, I don't live in a luxury building, guys, but we do have a doorman. <laughs> I just want to manage the Connecticut douchebag thing. <laughs> I tip them. I love them. But like, am I, I guess I'm supposed to tip them. Like, I, I hate yeah, it. I think it's awkward. Yeah. And then if you're giving someone a tip or you can give yeah, a gift or something. You, because it's, yeah, because you're really valuing them. Anyway. Wow. Yeah. I love this one. No one has said tipping before. And I really adore it because I relate to it a lot. There was a restaurant, one of Danny Meyer's restaurants, a few yeah. of them, I think, went without tipping. They went tipless for a bit. They right? went tipless, I don't know they but I do. think they went back. And I wonder yeah. why that is. Danny Meyer is very, very smart guy. Um, oh, yeah. I read his he's, book, Setting the Table. I, I guess he's probably written a couple at this point. Literally, Setting the Table was such an influential book to me that really? my best friend Sarah and I went to a book signing of Danny Meyer. And it is, to this day, the only time I have ever been like starstruck by a person. You a little bit. <laughs> when I was working with Andrew, I we met a ton of... Let's call it celebrities, famous people, influential yeah, yeah. people. And I, when I was at UBS, you made a whole bunch of interesting people. I'm not a fanboy mm-hmm. type. No, um, yeah. Especially once you meet the first couple, you kind of used to it. It was my job sure. to play it cool, right? So I got used to that. But I fanboy one time so bad. Oh my God. Well, actually, it's probably not as bad as it could have been because I've met a, <laughs> you know, some crazy fans. But for me, it was awful was when I met Sophia Bush, who was in oh One Tree Hill. Because I she was like my first crush. <laughs> She's done a lot of work in, I think, gun activism. And we're at this event. She's backstage. And I was like, oh, my God, Sophia Bush. And I told Andrew, like, just don't say anything. I'm just not going to do it. I don't think I keep myself cool. And yeah. Andrew walks right up to <gasps> me. He's like, hey, Sophia, I just want to introduce myself. And my campaign manager's a huge, oh huge my fan. God. I was like, oh I hate god. you oh so god. much, Oh, my Andrew. god. Oh, my god. And I'm like, hey, how are you? Nice <laughs> to meet you. You're beautiful. So uncomfortable. Wow. Yeah. Sophia Bush. How yeah. did it feel? She was like obviously used to it you know she's yeah <laughs> i feel like if you're in you're that type of actress where you're playing a show where a lot of teenagers mm-hmm. and let's frankly like men going through adolescence yes. are growing up and watching you yeah you're like a a teen like sex icon's not the right phrase there's this like adolescent infatuation yes magnet. and so you've had people who have you know discovered manhood by meeting you <laughs> kind of thing like they'd like <laughs> Oh, the opposite sex is a thing. Yes, right? is they're what, a thing. Yeah, they so. exist. Wow, that's incredible. I love that he did that yeah. to you. I'm sorry. Yeah, oh, totally. He, that's Andrew, by the way. He's just like a regular that's human. So He's funny. like out there with, um, yep. <laughs> I love that so much. What is the tiniest hill you're willing to die on? So something like pretty inconsequential Ooh. that you would really yeah. go to bat for. The tiniest hill. I have two. Ooh. One, and maybe this one isn't that tiny. That's why I had two. But the first one, plastic straws. Okay. The worst thing in the entire world. Plastic straws are the worst or paper straws sorry, are the sorry, worst? Sorry, sorry, paper, excuse me. I'll do that. I was so like, one. oh my God, is this man about to be a paper straw enthusiast? Because <laughs> I don't know that I'm no. ready. <laughs> You're right. I meant paper straws, excuse <laughs> me. God. I love plastic straws. That's the hill. Because it's everything you want, everything you want into <laughs> a problem. Because they don't actually help. I mean, yes, yep. there's lots of plastic straws, but I mean, how about the plastic cup you're drinking out I of know. if you really want to talk about the I problem know. with plastic, which I understand. Like I'm pro climate change, change mm-hmm. all the things. Why are we suffering? I know. A paper straw doesn't work. 
I can't stand it. I'm to the point where if you're serving me a paper straw, I stop going to your place. You're at, you're done. Do it. You're you're ready to walk away. I tried to do a metal straw and okay. like BYOS sort yeah. of thing. <laughs> it gets gross. It's tough to clean a straw. They are tough to clean. You need one of those pipe cleaner, stainless steel pipe, pipe cleaner, cleaner things. And it's like, no. who has the time? Life is so short. No. And then the other one is I think people should make their bed, which my fiance and I get oh, fights over all Zach. the time. I, um, this is beautiful hill. These are both beautiful hills. And by that, I mean, I agree. I think you should make your bed. I think it's a sign of being a responsible adult. And that's like our fight. My fight with Carly is so funny because she's yeah. like, she's brilliant and she's driven and all these things, but she doesn't like doing things that are a waste of time to her. And she oh, thinks, okay. bed, I'm just going to get back in is a waste of time. Like there's a yeah. number of things. And I'm like, responsible adults make their bed, Carly. And I'm like a couple <laughs> years older, so I get to play that bullshit. And she's, she hates it. Oh God, she can't stand it. Where do you think the making your bed is a sign of being a responsible adult comes from? I think it was, there's that YouTube video that went viral of a, it's a Marine or a five-star general or something. I can't mm. remember his name, but has that speech. And it's like, if you want to change the world, make your bed. Oh, I've never seen that. Yeah. And it hit home. He's like, yeah, because you, if you're going to accomplish big things, you have to accomplish a bunch of little <gasps> small things on the way. Wow. There's a blog post on it, too. And it's like this whole thing. You want to change the world, make your bed and it blah, 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 blah. And at the end, yeah. it's like, and then at the worst case scenario, if you have a terrible day, you have a nice made bed to get back into at the end of the day sort of thing. I feel the same way that you do. If there is a day where the bed isn't made, how does it feel mm. when you return home to it? I hate that. That's actually the other thing. I don't like that feeling. And, I'm yeah. like, and then I'm mad at myself, not only because I have to get into mm-hmm. a crappily made bed, but also like... Damn it, Zach, you were so lazy this morning. Yep. <laughs> like you yep. Make your own bed. I read this book. I'm reading it over and over. It was good. Uh, called Atomic Habits. <gasps> That's on my list. That's next Move it up. on my Move list. It up. Really? Move okay. It up. Oh, I can't Absolutely. wait. I've read The Power of Habit, and that was good. I read that too. But James Clear, the author of Atomic Habits, just takes it to like a practical, useful application in today's day and age. And it's Ugh. just so. It's so concrete and simple and there's a playbook mm-hmm. and I mean, it clearly works. His mentality is like, if you get 1% better every day, like something small, um, you're like 39 times better by the end of the year, like compound mm. improving. But if you get 1% worse every day, it's the other way, right? Oh and my so God. can you do something small? And it works and it's good for your mentality. It's good. So I'm working on a couple of things and the one, one of them is getting up earlier Oh, really? So that means Carly has to make the bed, and she, she hates it. Uh-oh. She can't stand it. Uh-oh. Um, there should be a chapter for navigating building new habits <laughs> yeah, in a cohabitation with situation. Spouse. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, book's great. Oh, uh, Zach, those are great hills. I love those hills. What's I really your do. Hill? Are people, am I allowed to ask you questions back? Yeah, what, you are can... <laughs> what are the you rules? You can ask me questions back. Um, okay, so I used to think that I didn't have any hills because... I just sort of think that I'm right and that's there you go. that's it. So I'm it's like, well, hill. I'm right. It's, it's yeah, factually it just correct. Is a fact. And I generally don't really care what other people do. Like I care a lot mm. about what I do. I know mm. exactly what kind of pen I want to write with. It's a Muji, the 0.5, black always. But Got I would it. never be like, oh, Zach, you write with a Pilot G2? That's awful. Like I would we need never- to talk about your pen knowledge at some point, but okay, keep going. <laughs> and so for that reason, they don't really feel like hills to me. They just feel like, mm. here's how I live my life. You all do whatever you want. But there are some that do come into my orbit that impact me in a way that is upsetting. Like I just- I used to have a really bad one with people saying on accident as opposed to by accident. Oh, wow. That one still really, whew, Wow, that one's tough. You're type A, right? You have a two. <laughs> what? Zach, 
that has never, literally never occurred. You can't to me. always tell when you listen to someone's <laughs> podcast the type A coming through. You get a vibe, but you never know. I'm type A, but there's like a lot more going on. You know, I just you can't put a label on there's it. There's definitely more so... going on because people who are type A don't usually get into comedy in the That's slightest, right? right? That's right. Uh, they, they usually can't do that. Actually, so you're you know, probably A minus, maybe. That, yeah. I think A plus. Hello. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, okay. There we go. That's There's better. a real type A. You can't be anything less than A plus. <laughs> of course not. There it is. Zach, this is a two-part question for you. First part cool. is, who would play you in a movie about your life? And the second mm. part is, if we were going to make this movie, what chapter of your life should we focus in on? All right. Selfishly, my two picks would be either Matthew McConaughey, but he's a little mm-hmm. older. Yeah. Like, okay. All right, all right, all right. Be fun. Yep. I think he's world class like i th- i think yeah. he's got this really cool balance of being fun and traveling and kind of a hippie and being a master of his craft and my f- new favorite actor is miles teller i think uh. he's i think the worlds of like the tom hanks and leos and mm-hmm. meryl streep types where they're just like total a lister yep. amazing uh, that world is changing it's becoming mm-hmm. more niche and the uh, the attention economy and it changed that but miles teller might be one of the few that mm. cuts through at least from my perspective, doesn't like Ryan Reynolds is one example where he's huh. like, but he like, but he has like a brand outside and is like consulting agency yeah. and is doing other thing. Miles Teller just like pure acting yeah. awesomeness. Yeah. Uh, like Whiplash, that movie is oh. so good. I mean, he's great in Top Gun. He's the best I was just going to say, moment of appreciation for how good Top Gun Maverick Gosh. is. Gosh. It's so good when there's hype around a movie. Yeah. And they deliver. I you know. know what I'm saying? Yes, like, they do. And then I guess second half of that question is what chapter? It yeah. would definitely be some 34. The Mo- Wall Street wouldn't you wouldn't cover that. My childhood wasn't like super eventful. So you'd yeah. definitely cover the Andrew Yang presidential race. And I say that also because that was I'm trying to make that a version of a movie. I don't think we need a movie mm. on Yang per se, but the story of and it's probably a fictional story, but the story of a bunch of people who had no idea what they're doing. Like yeah. Andrew himself was inexperienced, never run for office before but then the the five to seven people we hired out the gate self-included were combined years of political experience totally zero right we had no none of us had worked on a campaign before whoa um, not I, one of you i think one had maybe volunteered that's wild we couldn't get them like you had 29 other candidates in the race so yeah. like most oh, talent silly. was taken we were unknown i was the youngest and least experienced presidential campaign manager, I think in U.S. political history, and that's oh not God. something you want. That's not a yeah. badge I wear with honor. But if you say it, like, you can say it in a way that sounds good, but then if you think too hard about it, you're like, wait, what? Exactly. So you say it like a douche, like, oh, yeah. the youngest yeah. presidential campaign manager ever. And then you're like, but think about it for half a beat, you're like, that's awful. Like, yeah. You're a candidate. That sounds terrible. I get it. So it does sound, though, that, like, your role in the movie, we would definitely be rooting for you to do a good job which I think could be kind of fun. You had this like completely anonymous and it was like the lamest campaign ever. And we would go, we'd throw parties no one showed up to and we'd throw, we'd do social media stuff no one was liking. It was, you know, it was awful. To then a version of a national sensation with Andrew, yeah. big old rallies and crowd surfing. and That's you know, such a journey. So that journey was freaking wild. Honestly, the story would probably have to follow. Andrew jokes, he's like, I feel like the campaign team was more the protagonist than the candidate because of the craziness mm. behind the scenes all the time. Mm. Uh, we're probably right. I think that's the more fun story. I think that would be a really fun story. And not, it's one that doesn't, I think, get told as much um, with the exception of maybe one of what I think is one of the best documentaries of all time, which is The War Room. 
Mm. Have you seen that? I have not seen it, but I do. I have a few people told me that, so I guess I need you need to watch. it. I wonder though, like how you would feel watching it because well, I mean, it was so long ago. It feels that maybe it wouldn't give you <laughs> flashbacks. It probably gives but, me some PTSD. Yeah, it might be a little. It might be a little triggering. <laughs> My dream was to do a like a Judd Apatow like comedy, stupid comedy around like a rom com around a campaign, like a ridiculous oh, that's so campaign, fun. which I think could work. But the problem is, I've honestly explored this. The Hollywood doesn't love politics. It doesn't tend to perform well for a variety of reasons. So you'd have to be really funny or really stupid to cut through that. But I think Will Ferrell and Zach Galifianakis did a campaign movie. I don't think it did that well. I can't remember. But um, I haven't heard of it. But Seth Rogen and Charlize Theron did one called Long Shot. Was it actually called Long Shot? I think it was called Long Shot. But maybe now I'm saying that because that's no. I think you're right. It was called Long Shot, right? Yep. And she's like in politics and he's like in... He's like a comedy like writer. A, yeah, that's right. So there's out there. They're lo- okay, so it is called Long Shot, but it's two words. And so your Long Got Shot it. is one Very word. Very different, guys. The book's way better than the movie, okay? Yeah, I always prefer when it's I'm just sorry. one word, okay. so... Moving on. <laughs> <laughs> Zach, have you ever injured yourself in an embarrassing way? Oh, yeah. The worst one... Because I grew up playing hockey, like a good Central Connecticut kid. I ended up being pretty good at hockey once I got to high school, but... I had an older birthday sort of thing. So I was always Mm -hmm. playing with the older kids, Mm -hmm. if that makes sense. Um, The way hockey works. I actually wrote about this in Outliers, Mountain Gladwell. It talks a lot of pro hockey players where had my birthday range because I had to play with older kids growing up. That's so funny. It's crazy. I didn't go pro. Dang. Whoa, almost though. Almost had it. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I was on a travel team. I wasn't playing that much. Uh, It's just typical. I would like ride the bench uh, you know like sure. you know, you're like third or fourth line and finally remember like it's like the middle of the second period or like beginning of the third period finally the coach like all right crown and get in and i tried to hop the boards like you know oh. what we do in hockey yeah. and i think my skate got hooked whatever it was i fell and i just landed right on my knee just like bang my knee like i didn't break a knee or anything but like just like like froze up so i was like waiting this whole game to get in finally get in the game finally get my chance fall over the bench injure <laughs> my knee and oh i'm like gosh I, I can't move my leg right now like he's like oh my god grauman oh my god did they have to stop the game no 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 thank god but they had to like find someone else to go in for me which is hyper embarrassing um because oh usually god. hockey's like go 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 yeah like, that's what I thought. Oh, go. and i'm like gotta go bang bang oh, oh my crap, god coach. oh my god yeah it was awful that's I was bad. not cool growing up. That's okay. I um, feel somehow a lot of people who end up on this show feel that way. <laughs> what do you think that's about? We're living <laughs> Revenge of the Nerds. That's what it, we're living. Yeah, I think that must be it because yeah. most of the people I talk to on this show are like, yeah, I wasn't cool in high school. And I'm like, yeah, me neither. <laughs> to be cool in high school, you had to not give a shit about grades. Oh, you yeah. had to focus on being an athlete, hmm. uh, I guess. You had to date the prettiest girl who's usually mm-hmm. not always the the smartest girl mm-hmm. the most driven or successful girl totally. right and you kind of had to be an asshole um it was right. cool to make fun of people right you had to dress like you didn't care you had to party right all the mm-hmm. things that do not correlate to getting into a good college and right. therefore a good job and so yeah and so those folks are doing different activities and so then the kids that were like quiet or studied or in the AP classes or whatever it was, they're mm. uh, you know, now making six figures at Google. That's the game. Which is why the economy's somewhat busted, I'd argue. But um Whoa, that's interesting. I think we're like filtering for the wrong things in high school still, you know. Do you think it's still like that? I haven't talked to a high schooler in a long time. It's definitely changed, right? Social media. I mean yeah. I haven't 
do I have a talk to? Yeah, I mean, so Suit Up works with a lot of kids. I see them. Like, the, the game is definitely changed, but it's not a, a particularly good way. There's a really crazy book called iGen that talks about how the generation right now is basically Gen Z is developing with smartphones. And basically, so ba- the big difference is once you had a smartphone in middle school, your life is completely changed. Yeah, for and sure. And basically anything we've tracked going one way or the other, as soon as it the kids that iGen Gen Z hits, like the, the graph goes like sharply up or down from Whoa. like age of the first kiss to age of the first time you have alcohol or the first time you go spend the night away from your parents to amount of times you go out. Like, I mean, they're not good stats. It's mental yeah. health declining, suicide suppression, like going off cliff. But also the bigger conclusion was that they're developing like two to three years delayed. So Whoa. an 11-year-old today is socially acting like a nine-year-old and a 13-year-old's kind of acting like an 11 or 10-year-old. Wow. Yeah, it's wild. Um, but like dating's wow. down, sex is down, drinking underage down. Wow. So some of these are good in some Ye- ways. Yeah. Some are off. She was just doing, use a lot of data. She wasn't making like some arguments. Damn, that's how you know you're old though. When I'm like, I'd love to read a book about what high schoolers are like now. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Jesus. This is, this is <laughs> adulting. <laughs> Reading about them kids screwing up the world. Seriously, Uh, what are the youths up to? (laughs) Zach, we're going to take a quick break and then we'll be right back. This episode of Non-Technical is still brought to you by Bets Recruiting. Grab your popcorn and put your phones on silent because we're just getting started with our summer bets blockbuster. The return of Bets Recruiting. Two bets, two furious. Tagline, this time, all bets are on. If your professional life right now was a movie, what kind of character arc would we be working with? Are you struggling to find the one? And by that, I mean the perfect go-to-market hire. Do you need to take off your glasses and let your hair down in order for the world to see what your resume really has to offer? Or are you simply in search of adventure, curious about the career paths less traveled? Whatever your movie arc, Bet's Recruiting is ready to be your best supporting actor. Or should I say, (laughs) your Bet's supporting actor. I shouldn't, but I did. If you're hiring go-to-market talent or you are go-to-market talent, check out betsrecruiting.com slash non-technical. And we're back with Zach Grauman, Andrew Yang's presidential campaign manager and author of the new book, Long Shot. Zach Grauman, we've arrived at a very exciting moment in this episode of Non-Technical. Are you ready? I was born ready, Alexis. Oh, hell Actually, I yeah. don't know that. I don't even know what you're going <laughs> to come at me with. I may not. I may be completely unprepared for this. What Damn, we got? where was all that confidence? You were doing Central Connecticut proud, and then that was some then real just, Southern Connecticut energy that you came yeah, out with at the true. end. That's true. Just saying. My bad. <laughs> okay, we have arrived at the lightning round. Let's dive in. First question cool. for you, coffee or tea? Coffee. How do you take it? If I get my choice, I get yes. medium hot hazelnut coffee from Dunkin' Donuts, unsweetened. And then I put a little almond milk and like half a Splenda in it. Give it a little sugar, but it's not. It's the best in the world. I love Dunkin' Donuts hazelnut coffee. It's amazing. That is amazing. such a gorgeous coffee order. I just want to go back. So it was yep. a medium hot yep. hazelnut coffee with half yep. a Splenda and a splash of almond milk? A little almond milk, yeah. Give a little. But I have to. you have to get there unsweetened because their sweetened oh. hazelnut is like Real bad. It's very, it's very Dunkin' Donuts. That's incredible. Also, strong East Coast vibe for you to name Dunkin' Donuts. There's an SNL skit with University uh, like fucking love Dunkin', huh? Oh anyway, yeah. Sorry. It's dynamite. <laughs> I'm gonna literally think about you the next time I'm at Dunkin' Donuts. That Please. coffee order was I so good. I usually make friends with the the people behind the counter too because it's like, what is this? What's and I, I want to be clear, I'm not 
like a I guess I am in by that order, but I'm not like a frothy coffee guy. Yeah, like yeah. if I go to Starbucks, like give me an iced coffee, give me a black, like whatever. Nice. It's just when I go to Dunkin' Donuts, if I'm gonna get the hazelnut, I'm I get, get it. it the way I want. You know what I'm saying? You're a man who has morals and also preferences. And I yes. I appreciate that. And I'm sure that so do the good people of Dunkin' Donuts. Yes, I think so. Or they're just annoyed with me. One of those. Maybe. Things. Do you have a favorite board game? Um yeah. I would say my family loves board games, so I'm not racking uh, my brain on which one I would say my that's favorite. That's awesome. Do you have a big family? I've got two younger siblings, and then so there's five of us, and then yeah, my dad's got a couple. It's it extends. My dad's okay. got two uncles and so, but it's my my family's big in terms of personalities. Okay. Like the more the merrier. There's Love always someone okay. Thanksgiving. That, I think that that vibe lends itself well to a board game family for sure. Oh yeah, um, but it gets pretty heated. I would say there's a game called Code Names. That's love really cool. Love Code Names. Uh, yeah, that game's awesome. I love a good apples to apples or mm-hmm. uh, or a charades or taboo or that kind That's of stuff. That's interesting. Um, so all of those are games where it's not necessarily about like being good at the game. It's more about like, can you be a good communicator? Can you be creative? Can you be thoughtful, strategic? Oh, yeah. You fake it till you make it. Yeah, that's funny. But like, I'd rather do that than like sorry or trouble where it's all 100%. just luck. I don't play luck-based games. No one has asked me, probably because they know I would say no, or at least that's what I'll choose to believe. But like, why would I waste my time? My precious, precious time on this planet. I might as well go use a stainless steel straw. Yeah. If I really have that much time on my hands. Zach, okay, so we already discussed bed making, but I have a question, which is top sheet or no top sheet? Top sheet. Yeah. Fitted sheet, top sheet, sheet. comforter, and then some pillows. Nailed it. Great. Yeah. That's the correct answer. I mean, there's technically no correct answer, but I mean, I it. can see it if you wash that comforter pretty often. Which, you know? yeah, that's true. But I guess I don't uh, love it, but I don't know. You know. Even still, I've, I just I want the optionality. I'm I'm truly in it yeah, for the optionality. Yeah. I overheat. I'm on kind of a hot sleep of the top so. sheet. Have you ever read a book twice? Yes, I read the book Ender's Game twice. Oh, it's a sci-fi book. Oh, I know it. Of course. I read it younger, and then I was like, man, I really like that book. And then I was like, I think it was over COVID. I was like, I should pick that up again. Yeah. I'm not a big read it twice unless it's like a self-help. I'm not a lot of self-help. Sure. Like Atomic Habits. Yeah. I'm like banging that in. When you read Ender's Game for the second time as an adult, did it have a different impact on you than when you read it as a kid? Yeah, definitely. I mean, you remember more, too. Like, mm. I, like you have this, like, you know, short, vivid, short little detailed memory of Ender's Game as a kid and then you read it yep. again you're like oh man I, I got half that wrong that's not how it happened at all I always thought the concept was cool of like yeah. genius kids and, yep. and like military strategy and then I watched the movie after that and the movie was awful they have oh, not no. been able to do Ender's Game well, I don't know if you they think they've made two movies on this book and that they've <laughs> both been terrible a lot of books where the beauty of the book is the internal mental war of the um, character mm. so hard to do on on film that's a good point I've never thought about that very wise. It's why Dune, I think, was so remarkable. Not only was it just so cool to see on a big screen, but they do a good job of making it entertaining when a lot of that book hmm. is the genius of the main character. Sure, which is hard to... I'm curious how they do the next couple. I'm assuming they'll make a series out of it because that's it gets more complicated as it gets older. Anyway, I'm not a huge sci-fi guy, but I have read those two. I want to read more sci-fi. I just don't, I guess. I think it's a time thing. I feel like I don't have a lot of time, but I... So- I Love getting lost in a book, like Andrew a world Andrew told book. me this, and I, I have not confirmed it, but he doesn't bullshit stats. He told me <laughs> that men, as they get older, read more nonfiction, and women, as they get older, read more fiction. Whoa. Which checks out from my lived experience. Okay, fascinating. 
I read mostly nonfiction, actually. Good for I you. I try to alternate. Are you trending towards more fiction? That's no. the question. No. Okay. I have to force myself to read fiction between the nonfiction books because mm. otherwise I end up, it gets boring. It stops mm. becoming, oh, how nice to read this book. And it starts becoming, ah, time to do my assigned reading. To <laughs> Do you have a pump up song? Yeah. I had a big pump up playlist on the campaign too, because it was like crazy times. But I would yeah. say- Big two are Lose Yourself by Eminem. Like, I don't think there's a better pump-up song out there. It's so good. It's I so support good. you. It's so good. I know that's like cheesy and cliche, but it's the best. There's a reason it's, it's the, no, I no, think it's the go. It's, I don't think there's a better one. It's um, just the song that my CEO that I worked for in the tech world used to play before big meetings. So yeah. I've heard the song Nothing Lose gets Yourself. Me more <laughs> that just riffed and... A hundred times. Oh, so good. We had... so. Andrew didn't do, uh, we didn't have a really good first debate, which was in Miami. And the second debate was in Detroit. And it was mm. kind of like, hey, man, like in or out here, like if we don't do well here, we're toast. And because it was in Detroit, I was like, we're blasting, you lose yourself. Like, yeah, the yeah. Whole time. And then the other one I'd say is uh, Don't Stop Me by Queen. Oh. It's just the type of song that you can kind of feel invincible about. Yeah. Don't stop me. Anyway, a little upbeat. Wow, that's anyway, great. So I'm so glad that we got a taste of the acapella finally. You get a little, I, but I'm <laughs> just retired. Just a taste, so just like, a taste. No, it's good. You came out of retirement. You gave you gave the people what they wanted, but you have to leave them wanting more in case you ever want to come back. Yeah. Perfect. Yeah. Yep. Zach, this is very sadly my last question for you, but Uh-oh. what would you title your memoir? I'm going to find a better way to say this, Okay. but it will be something along the lines of off the beaten path mm. in the sense that we talked about this a couple times. I look like a Connecticut douchebag. <laughs> but I've been doing my spending most of my life trying to actually not go that path. And what is that path? That path mm. is job on Wall Street, hedge yep. funds, invested banker, make as much money as possible, get the house in either a you know somewhere tri-state area, suburb, have a wife that'll stay home with the kids and you know work. Yep. All, you know that's who cooks and cleans and yep. uh, crushes suburban PTA stuff, and then. Uh, Maybe write some checks to charity and that sort of yep. thing. So, and I, I don't know, I worked on Wall Street for a bit, but I ended up working in the philanthropy team. And then mm. I, I started a nonprofit um, and then quit all that to go into politics. And now right. I'm going to try and work on starting a company. Ooh, that's exciting. Which is fun. And I think, I don't know, I try to do what I'm not expected to do as much as I can, which is I, obviously I'm not perfect at it, but I think I'd probably go in somewhere in that range. Wow. I love that. Off the beaten path. You could make it. We'll find if, a clever, more clever, funny way, right? To yes, talk, 100%. To... <laughs> but I'm just thinking that there could even be something like Connecticut specific. There's something about Connecticut that embodies the stereotype you're trying to avoid. Mm. Oh, yeah. It's the guy from S- Colin Jost. Yeah. I don't know if he's pronounced Oh, his, yeah. Did his you read book his? was called A Very uh, Punchable it, Face. A Very Punchable Face. Oh, it's and that's so like, good. Is it, oh, it's I bet it's so good. He seems good. like a really good guy. Um, but it's it actually uh, speaks to some of the stuff that you're you're talking about. I think you'd really like it. Also, you should listen to it on Audible because oh, does he read hearing it? him read it, if I yeah. literally it was one of those books where you're walking on the sidewalk like full laughing and you look completely nice. insane. I'm sure I'll feel the same way yeah. when I listen to your audiobook as well for of off the beaten yeah, path. I, I, they did make <laughs> me. I did read it, so it's yours truly reading that bad boy. Oh, uh, long shot. Re- oh yeah, I read. Oh my it god. And, um, so to record an audiobook, you're in a studio for three to five days, depending on the length oh of the God. book. And I've never felt, yeah, I think I haven't felt dumber trying to read that because <laughs> you don't realize how often you 
don't read out loud, like yeah. reading out loud, not speaking out loud yeah. or performing out loud or giving mm-hmm. a speech, like straight up reading comprehension, yep. like freaking enunciating. <laughs> and I'm like, I don't know how to, I wrote that word and so I funny. hear it in my head, but I have no idea how do you say that. The whole studio team was, they were making fun of me a lot because I would just be like, oh man, I can't make that sentence today. I'm sorry, guys. I don't have to tell you. That's um, hilarious. <laughs> it's good. It kept yeah. you humble though. I bet oh, yeah, the book has like a humble tone as a result. You can hear that you're just this down to earth guy who's tripping over yeah. his words. <laughs> yes. Um, I'm, there's no, I'll tell you a couple of things that'll humble you very fast. You're reading your own book or just reading anything out loud. <laughs> yeah. And honestly, politics in general. Like oh it's yeah. A, uh, <laughs> yep. I bet. Yeah. Zach, thank you so much for coming on Non-Technical. This was such a treat. It was my pleasure. This was fun. Um, and I love what you're building here. So congrats. Thank and you. I guess, yeah, I'll plug the book. It's called Long Shot. Uh, you can get it anywhere books are sold, I guess. Um, sure. And I will whisper sweet nothings into your ear via Audible <laughs> if you want to do that too. With perfect enunciation from what I heard. With, 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 with uh, you know, <laughs> it's not A plus like you. It's like B minus most of the time. It's okay. I'm sure that people will love it. And you can find me at Yay Alexis Gay on Twitter and Instagram or at non-technicalpod on Twitter. One more time, Zach. This was so fun. So fun. Thank I hope you. you have a wonderful day. This was day. fun. You too. Go 860. Woo! Cheers.